Hello and welcome to Africa Tech Summit Connects, sharing insights from across the African tech scene. Hello and welcome to today's show. My name is Andrew Fastinch, founder of Africa Tech Summit. In today's episode, we're going to look at food tech in Africa and how it's being used to solve one of the world's global issues, food security. In sub-Saharan Africa today, food security is under threat. If we look across Africa right now, the ability of many Africans to access sufficient, safe and nutritious food to meet the dietary needs has been disrupted by natural disasters, epidemics, locust outbreaks in Eastern Africa and droughts in Southern and Eastern Africa. So the need for sustainability throughout the food chain is ever more pressing. And I'm delighted to welcome our guest today, Simon Hazel, co-founder of Inseco, a South African food startup tackling organic waste in a very novel way with insects. So I'd like to welcome you here today. Simon, how are you doing? Uh, very well and you. Thank you for having me. Good, good. I mean, before we get into Inseco, tell us more about Simon and uh, yeah, what's your background and, and, and yeah, how did you get into so- all this? Uh, yeah, so I graduated university in 2016, and um, I did a bit of work in the management consulting sector. Uh, and one December holiday, I was working with my co-founder uh, Jack on a on his family wine farm, and we we when you make wine, you you generate something called pomace, specifically white wine, that is this sort of spent grapes, the skins and whatnot, and it's huge volumes of it are generated, right? Um, so we started looking into, I studied uh, economics, so I was quite, we were quite a committee. So I was looking at different ways to potentially do something with that. You know, it seemed very unusual to generate such large volumes of what otherwise looked like a very good product. So we started looking into wine waste beneficiation and we realized that there were seasonality issues with that. We, um, it's, it's only really generated over the harvesting periods. So we started looking at other types of food waste and we realized that that, was a, actually a really big problem. You know, as a sort of an ordinary consumer, I was very unaware of what landfilling was. And we actually became aware of how both environmentally damaging it is and, and also how much food waste is actually generated. So um, at the time, I recalled a, a paper that I, when I was studying environmental economics of a German scientist that was using uh, house flies to decompose abattoir waste as a sort of volume reduction method because abattoir waste is a hazardous material. So we looked into insect farming and at the time there wasn't a lot around uh, at that point so we sort of had to do a bit of trial and error ourselves and we ended up setting up a, a pilot on the family farm and from there we sort of carried on and that's how the business sort of started great so yeah tell us more about inseco um, i mean i know that that was the initial idea tell us more about the actual company now sure uh, yeah, so as a, so we set up a, a little pilot and we, we focused on primarily the sort of reproductive capabilities and whether or not we could actually do it. In other words, breed flies in their sort of captive environment. And we got some pretty good results. And we said, okay, now the next step is to actually look at the bioconversion aspect of it, where insect larvae actually eat the organic waste and grow in size. So we, we set up another pilot. We got some, we put a bit of our own funding in, and we got a, a grant from uh, the university we went to. Yeah. And we set up a slightly larger pilot, and we started testing various different feedstocks, and made a few samples. 
and you know sent him to a few buyers in the area, like organic poultry farms, a koi farmer, a tilapia farmer, and just said, you know, here's a sample. Let us know what you think of the product. And at first they were like, what? Why are you selling us insects? That's crazy. So it, it, it's quite an easy sell because you know naturally organic fish, organic poultry, for example, eat insects in nature. Sort of. So uh, we we started looking. Uh, and you know, people received the samples and they really liked it. So they said, this is a great product. Uh, we would actually love for you guys to help us produce it. Is there any way that you offer some sort of consulting to? So we said, yes, of course, we're more than happy to help. And we started doing a bit of consulting and uh, we realized that when sort of doing that technology transfer, for lack of a better word, we realized that the biology side, so we need to make insect protein. First part is biology, which is where you breed the flies in captivity and they lay eggs, uh, and the eggs then move into the second part, which is where they actually biodegrade the organic waste, and it's in a sort of large, vertically stacked containers. And then the third component is where you harvest the insects out of the organics, the spent organics, that they're then refined into a product. So the breeding side, the biology side, is where people kept getting conversion and the harvesting is actually quite straightforward. So we said, is there a way we could potentially decouple this process where we can help them with the biology, the conversion side, and we'll take care of the biology side. And in to developing that, we realized that we were actually solving another major problem, which is waste transportation. So you spoke about food security in a lot of sort of fragile states, specifically in Africa. Um, another major problem that we've come into contact with is various stakeholders in the waste management value chain, both in South Africa, Southern Africa, and generally northern parts of the, of the continent. Waste is the actual waste transportation side. Organic waste is very low value. It doesn't really have, um, it has no value. It's a cost, right? So mm-hmm. the transportation aspect is very expensive, and that's ultimately what happens when it gets done, is that people don't have logistics networks in place. What we've done is we've said, how do we overcome that? We've developed what we call an on-site black soil supply solution, uh, where we actually process food waste of various kinds, all the way, say, from the beginning, from the start of the food chain at the farm level, all the way through to the sort of post-consumer level uh, at the supermarket or the retails. And that's using black soil supplies as our sort of primary method. If, 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 we go, if, if we go back to proving the concept, I mean, when you went to people originally uh, and said, hey, uh, here's what we're doing. I mean, what was the kind of response? Did people think you were crazy, or, or you know, when, when you were launching this? Yeah, I mean, they when they when they first got the samples, they were quite perplexed by it. You know, there was, I mean, they, well, there are other companies in the sector, and they have been for quite a while. It's just it wasn't known at the time. We're not by using insects to break down food. We're not innovative. You know, there are other companies that have been doing this at a larger scale for quite a long time. Um, you know, we've sort of piggybacked with their. Uh, innovation in the first place and come up with our sort of spin on it, which we think is innovation within the innovation. But um, in terms of the actual product, you know, people hadn't heard about it and they couldn't believe that we were actually farming insects. Um, so when we sent them samples, there were a little bit of hesitance at first. There were sort of sanitary concerns, I suppose. People generally look at maggots as like a, as a something that feeds off manure and carcasses and whatnot. So they were a little bit hesitant in that regard. But we, it just takes that sort of step where you realize that that's actually what they eat in nature. You know, naturally, chickens and fish go around and they eat insects as part of their sort of staple diet. So, so when you can cross that barrier, then it was actually quite well received. And if we look at the actual problem, then you're solving. I mean, how big, you know, we're talking about food security in Africa, we're talking around sustainability. 
tell us the specific area your insects are solving in that food chain and also in terms of numbers what you know i know we spoke before around you know the amount of fish it takes for some of these fish foods and and things it'd be good just to unpack some of those areas that you're really solving yeah so i mean if you look at um so there's two components right so we provide a solution to otherwise unused food stuff wasted food uh, food streams right so that's at the farm level the majority of food waste actually happens before it gets to the dinner table like 50 percent of food doesn't actually make it on the farm to the uh, so there's a huge amount of waste in the the value chain that gets lost that's that's where we sort of and then we provide um, a way to actually dispose of it. If you look at the waste management landscape, the solutions that are available to food waste are quite limited. It hasn't really changed. Barring anaerobic digestion, you've got composting and, and um, landfilling. And then anaerobic digestion, those are the three sort of solutions you have, and those have been around for quite some time. So we like to see it as a waste management innovation on the one hand. Um, and then on the back end of it, which is the food security side, is that you know if you look at livestock farming um, a, a primary protein ingredient specifically in fish farming is a product called fish meal which is where uh, large trawlers in say the peruvian seas and the arctic seas will go and trawl for pelagic fish like sardines and anchovies and harvest them in big trawlers and take them into a central processing facility where they're then dried and crushed into like a meal and for every ton of fish meal that is produced and sold three and five tons of wild caught fish are required and that's quite a considerable amount of um you know natural resources and when you consider that there's you know between five and ten million tons of fish meal produced used worldwide per year it's a lot of fish right to take on from oceans and you know with ocean temperatures rising what's happening is that fish are going deeper and deeper find colder waters and that's putting pressure on biomass quotas in those areas so Fish meal is becoming in shorter supply, and aquaculture, which is primary market for fish meal, is growing rapidly. One of the fastest growing sort of livestock markets in the world, at the moment, and it's just overtaken um, wild caught fish as the primary source of uh, fish supply. Um, and because of that, it's putting pressure on the, on the prices of fish meal. So, fish meal we've seen huge increases in the last sort of five years, ten years. You know, substantial annual year on year changes. And we and we ultimately replace fish meal as a as a both an environmentally sustainable alternative and as a sort of cost-sensitive alternative where we can provide a product that's similarly priced, um, but it's stable. You know, we don't rely on biomass quotas. So we provide a, a source of protein in the farming value chain that makes it otherwise very difficult to do that are struggling with um, sort of consistent protein supply for livestock and for humans for that matter. I mean, it's an interesting point you raise in terms of the cost of the actual raw material to, for, for the fish for the fish farms and, and agriculture. Do you feel in that way that long-term then what you're doing with mass competitors who can do it on a mass scale, does it become a race to the bottom or is there other value adds that you're offering in terms of your product roadmap and, and how you can see that, you know, you can, you can actually be more sustainable and drive more revenue in terms of a business. Yes. I mean, the, so the market is tremendously large. Um, I mean, the fishery market per year, if we, I mean, studies have shown that a hundred percent of fish meal can be replaced in certain fish diets without any adverse side effects. So if you did take, if you took a conservative number and said, that's, you know, two and a half million tons of fish meal required, just in agriculture, but the really big markets um, where that you know people can 
in terms of market cap that we can go after. So we see it taking a very, very long time before the demand for insect protein is satiated. Um, it will eventually become commoditized. We are right in that regard that we will, I mean, that's a, I'm not sure when that will be, but I do see that coming. My thing, my, our strategic one is that the resource that is going to be in shorter supply is not the demand, it's the supply of the inputs. So waste, the waste stocks that I spoke about, those are, whilst there's also a lot of that, that's going to run out sooner than the demand for, before this, the demand associated for the actual product. And we've overcome that. We, we think we've offered a, we've got a strategic advantage in that regard because we're sort of hyper-localizing it at the source of waste. We're taking out that transportation component which ultimately drives the supply. And as a result, we feel like we will have better access to the inputs over the, over the medium and longer terms, giving us an advantage. So can you tell us more around how your product offering is going to go closer to the source and you know what's the solution? Sure. So we have designed a container. So it's a sort of turnkey solution um, where we sort of specify um, a size depending on how much is available, how much waste is available. But uh, we developed something called the Enterpod, which is a sort of like a containerized solution. It's We use this 12-meter ISO high cube container and it's a modular installation. And the way it works is we install a shipping container on site. And depending on the type of waste stream, it's then the waste is then placed into the shipping container in large vertically stacked bins. And the, we deliver BSF eggs to the client's site on a periodic basis. And it is then used to break down the organic waste. Um, that's for sort of smaller waste volumes uh, in the range of say 100 tons a month uh, of waste. And as we sort of go above that, we start looking at a prefabricated concept, a prefabricated installation where we use, um, we actually build something in the same operational model applies where we send the BSF eggs to the source of the waste rather than bringing the, the waste to the BSF. And if, you need, if you're needing to service, say, 100 tons of organics in a, in a month, you, know, you need about two kilograms of BSF eggs. So it's, it's, by comparison, it's nothing. You know, you, instead of transporting a hundred tons, we're transporting two kilograms. So we saw that being logistically the better way to do it. And the BSF is Black Soldier Floyd for for for, yes. for those who who are listening. Um, and in terms of so, so talk us through the process then. So so you you put your unit on site. Um, yes. Talk talk us through the actual biological process then. Or what, what what's going to happen then next? So you you bring your eggs. You lay your the flies, and then and then and then. How long does it take? Sure. So the the the, the client doesn't see any flies. Um, they get the BSF at, a, at an egg stage. They get the, we deliver them an egg, um, or a batch of eggs, I should say, that are pre-portioned based on the container size. So they just simply place it. Doesn't require a lot of. Um, as I was saying earlier, it's quite difficult to transfer the biological side. So we try to keep it as simple as possible. Um, the BSF eggs are delivered on a sort of monthly basis. They're placed into the organic waste periodically over the course of a month. We've designed the sort of feeding and harvesting process to be um, as easy as possible for the for the for the plants. For the brewery, for example, or an agro processing facility, they don't really have. They don't want to go into a whole new line of business. Uh, the, the eggs are placed into the organic waste. They're then they're then consumed through it over a period of about ten days. Um, at the end of that period. Um, that the, the existing bins are harvested on site and put through a basic drying process and then they're bagged 
and are ready to be sold into, if it's a farm, for example, they can be used on site. Alternatively, if it's a, like I said, a brewery, for example, they can then be sold to a local farm, uh, which are generally quite nearby. Um, and once that harvest is done, the next batch is ready for seeding. So the waste must be stored on site as it would ordinarily be for a period of about a week. And um, it's then transferred. And, you know, if we talk about the manufacturers, the, the breweries, what's their reception been to this technology and, 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 and their willingness to adopt it? So we've, we've received really good interest in it. Um, a lot of interest, I should say. Uh, we've had, we sent out a sort of, we haven't done a lot of marketing on it purely because we can't service a lot of clients at this point. Um, we're currently going through a funding round to scale up our capacity in that regard. But the, um, the feedback's been very good. We've, we've, we've forecasted uh, at the sort of interpod size what it, what it costs to install and what the client can make back in terms of the protein sales. Uh, so effectively, what we're doing is we're monetizing the organic waste and producing a sustainable feedback. So the incentive for the producer, for the waste generator, is a sustainable management of their waste, um, which is quite a big issue, and especially in sort of first world countries like in Europe and the US. Um, and on, on the back of that, they also make profit off it. So in certain instances, clients are paying for it to be disposed of, and now they're actually turning that cost per ton of waste into an after-tax profit per and they can write off a lot of the, the expenses. So there's a financial incentive for them. And as I said earlier, you know, it's like certain large breweries generate thousands of tons of brewery waste per month. I'm just using brewery as an example, but many others. Um, in that case, we'll do a sort of prefabricated installation where it's there's existing facility space on site that's being unused, like a storage unit. We can retrofit that. And, and the returns in that scenario are quite impressive. You know? Depending on the target market for the product, you know, you're looking at very competitive IRRs. Um, and so the, the, the response from sort of, call it industry partners has been very good. Very impressive. And in terms of the constituent products then that you can sell from the, the, the actual the eggs, I mean, what, what, what the larvae, what are, what are the products that you're able to sell? Uh, so you can, for a larger setup, you can specify, so for an interpod configuration, which is a, a container, we would just put a basic dryer in and it would just produce what we call a whole dried larvae, which is where the, the live larvae are dried without taking the fat out. So what that, it's sort of, by keeping the fat in the product, it's, it shortens the shelf life because the fat spoils. Um, but it's, it's still pretty competitive. It's about six months. And the products, if still properly, can it's, it still has uses in a variety of different um, applications. You know, it's we've actually found pretty good results on the whole dried larvae. Um, the, if it's a larger setup and uh, larger volumes and larger and more funding is available, we'll specify a separation technique as well, where the 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 live larvae, the fats are extruded out, um, and then you get a, a, an oil and a protein component that the oil can then be used, it extends the shelf life of the product because the oil is then separated out. You get, uh, you know, you can probably double the shelf life and then those go into more specialized markets. So there are, the return is slightly better when you separate them out, but the whole dried product, which is easier to manufacture, um, is uh, where we sort of, we suggest starting our tanks. And where, where are the oils used? I mean, what, what other products are then using those oils? Um, so the... The, 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 the available markets for the oil is dependent on the purity of the oil and how it's separated and dried. Um, if you get a really high quality product, it can go into a variety of industries, you can go into cosmetics, pharmaceuticals even. Um, it has to be quite a high quality product. 
Um, the, the primary use of it is an animal feed. It's used as a flavorant. It's also got a lot of lauric acid in it. So it's, a, it's got nutritional value and it's used often, uh, one of our partners is they dip the pellet in the oil before feeding it to the fish because it makes it taste really nice and it, it, it effectively makes it more palatable. Um, so that's the use of the oil. Uh, and then the meal is blended into a formulation of other ingredients like your carbohydrate, for example. And you'd mix the BSF meal into that and you'd make a, a protein. It would be the, it's the protein component. It's an additive rather than a complete feed. So, so how do you plan to scale in SECO long term? I mean, what's the vision? Is it South African? Is it Pan-African? Is it global? I mean, where do you see, where do you see in SECO going? Um, so we've had a lot of interest in South Africa and that's primarily where, that's where we're based. That's where a lot of our marketing efforts are located. Uh, and as a result, we would ideally like to do is demonstrate it commercially here. It's, we feel like we've got an opportune uh, in, in, in Cape Town, which is where we're based. Organic waste is being banned from being sent to landfills. And it's being phased over a couple of years. So that's driving up the disposal fees of organic waste, which improves our, the performance of our product. And so this is a really good market in which to validate and demonstrate the product. Um, as soon as we've done that, you know, we, we're currently speaking to partners uh, in the UK, you have um, uh, you know, interest in something like this. And the demand for sustainable protein is, is, a global, is a global demand for it. A lot of the demand is concentrated in first world countries, or let's call it a lot of it, not all of it. Um, but you see this being a, a global solution where we, you know, we have a, a keen interest on focusing on Africa, where we feel like it's completely untapped in that regard. There's a lot of Action happening in these in selected countries. You know, when I say Africa, I don't just mean everywhere. In selected countries, um, and you know, countries like Nigeria and Kenya already have um, an interest in actually consuming the intake product as a human food. I think it's a particularly interesting uh, prospect to. So would it be focused on a couple of a couple of markets first in Africa and, and set up operations in those and 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 yeah, scale from there. Absolutely. So we spoke about fundraising. Um, and you said you're currently currently closing around. How is that been going, and, and what's the reception towards uh, insect-based businesses? Uh, so the, the we actually were had concluded the round, and then COVID hit, and our investors' portfolios were quite call it affected, and they had to get quite operationally involved. And as a result, they it was like you know they sort of sent us confirmation email saying that they. Because terms and that they we have they have the money for us and then COVID hit and we just we need to delay delay slightly so that was quite an unfortunate timing but I mean you know we're lucky to actually even be operational um, based on the fact that COVID affected certain businesses East and South Africa so we have then picked it up you know we we sent out communiques to a variety of different investors and we said look based on the extenuating circumstances we're going to delay this slightly both for ourselves and for you. So we, we returned to the same investors about two months later, um, about a month, call it a month and a half ago. And we said that we would be reopening around and we'd like to carry on. And the, re- the reception has been really good. You know, a lot of insect protein companies around the world have raised considerable sums of money. It's, in my opinion, one of the fastest growing agricultural sectors in the world. It's sustainable and has a commercial, you know, strong commercials to underpin that, which I think is a particularly appealing value proposition both for impact investing and also for, you know, it just provides a solution to two major problems. So I think people see the vision 
they see the market that it's that is open, you know, and that it's that we have access to, and they therefore believe in it. Um, it's obviously a difficult time to raise funding, but so far we've had really good interest. Uh, we the, the amount we're raising is not, um, yeah, we we approaching sort of strategic investors who can unlock certain markets that well they don't just provide the funding. So how can people get involved? Can they write you check? Can they still write you checks? Uh, they can. We are still sort of. We've received bids, so we're still receiving bids. Um, so far, we've had really good re- feedback. and But yes, we're always open to receiving more. We haven't finalized it at this point. Uh, as I said, we're not, in the event that we that the round sort of is oversubscribed, we would, we would look to choose between, we'd like to see what, what other potential investors could offer. You know, if, for example, you were a large brewery, you would be a perfect investor because you would be, um, you would offer us a, you know, a market for the product in that respect. So we would we're willing to we're always open to receiving bids and we probably will be for another call it few weeks. And then at that point we will close the round. Right. And if we look at food tech in Africa, I mean where do you what's your view? Where do you think it's gonna go? And you know, obviously in Africa there's a huge focus more on on ag tech and you know the agriculture side. But if we look more around what you guys are doing in food tech and you know where do you see even the protein market going? You know, if we look at what's happening in Europe and the US, um, it's huge, huge area. Do you think? Do you think Africa is further behind the curve on that, or, or where do you where do you see food tech really, really going in Africa? Uh, I mean, if you look at countries like Nigeria, as just as an example, right? There's one country. I mean, they, their population is forecasted to double in the next 20, 30 years, and if their economy follows a similar track. They'll, be, they'll have a bigger economy than France and Germany. So I do think that, you know, the rate of population growth and urbanization that we're seeing um, in across a variety of different African countries is tremendous. So, you know, food tech and these types of you know, offerings become ever more important. You know, we're reaching capacity constraints in the supply chain and the food supply chain and by, you know, by implication, the agricultural supply chain. So, Solutions like the one we have, I think, fit really nicely into that growth trajectory where more and more people creating more and more waste, needing more and more protein. It's just more solutions are going to need to be made available because the existing system just won't cope. And 10 years from now, where do you see Inseco? 10 years from now, I see us operating on multiple African continents, servicing, having multiple deployments across various agricultural supply chains and food supply chains. Um, Ideally, we would you know, we would look to produce in Africa and export into, um, you know, first world economy, so to speak. Um, it generates very strong balance of payments for the local economy um, and contributes towards, you know, sustainable waste management. Um, and yeah, that's ultimately where I see it going, becoming a global producer with supply with operations across the continent. Well, we've seen many great companies uh born in downturns and I'm, I'm hoping that we're looking back at Inseco in, 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 in the number of years and saying, well, look at these guys, they, they, they came through, I mean, a fundraising round which hit the buffers because of COVID. Um, hopefully we're, we're looking back with the same hindsight saying, you know, fair play to these guys for starting in a, in a downturn. So you mentioned there around, you know, the crossover between biology and, and technology and business, I suppose, as well. How does that work out in your team within your within your company and, and what are the different people involved yeah so i've i've got a business background um i studied economics and finance and my co-founder studied law so we aren't the sort of technical people um and we realized that quite early on this was a technical business so we we 
we hired in some consultants that assisted us. You know, it's very difficult to find experience in the sector because there's just no one available. Uh, you know, the industry's only really been commercial for the last year and a half, two years, you know, since maybe AgriProtein set up their facility here. So we, we realized that we needed some technical help and we therefore recruited some people. We luckily managed to find some people who have got backgrounds in BSF who did manage to work in the sector. Um, and we've recruited, they've got engineering experience. There's a big engineering component to uh, the, the business. You know, designing the, the actual facility has a quite a stringent uh, technical engineering back to it. And biological side, we're specializing in the, the production of the eggs. We've got two extraordinary team members who have got a lot of experience and are very qualified. So they come on with the technical expertise and they're, uh, they sort of complement mine and my co-founders. We always ask our, our, our guests uh, any books that they're, they're, that have really helped them in, in, in their business to date or maybe something you're reading right now that you'd like to share with any of our listeners? Um, right now, it's, no, maybe, I would say that there are two books actually that I really, that really resonated with me. The one is, well, it's, not, it's a book by Ashley Vance on Elon Musk. I'm sure you're familiar. Um, Elon Musk is South African born and bred so he's a, a bit of a role model of mine and I think what he's done with Tesla you know bringing in this sort of triple bottom line business I think is extraordinary and you know, that's kind of what we're trying to do so reading about uh, Elon and his background I think was a real inspiration for me and I read that up I read that book quite early on in the business's sort of, sort of cycle uh, and then another book that I read is a book called The Rockefeller Habits by Vern um, Harnish and he's a he founded an organization called YPO and my partner's uh, stepmother is she works she's involved in that uh, in, the, in the organization and he introduced me to her and I, and I just thought you know what an interesting guy and I read his book and it's, it's phenomenal it's all about sort of focus hyper focus on a vision and what your company wants you know stay true to that and everything else was to sort of fit in around it so I think it's like identifying a vision that you know, Elon, reading about Elon, that vision became clearer. And then Vern's book on Rockefeller Habits helped us fine-tune a sort of management techniques, so to speak. So will Inseco be the Tesla of, of, of the insect world? <laughs> I, uh, I hope so. I really hope so. Well, we hope so too. Um, it's been a pleasure to speak to you today. And I uh, really, really wish you guys well and, and uh, look forward to hearing more in the future. Thank you very much for having me. It was really great to chat to you. To hear the latest episodes, please subscribe to our channel. You can also visit africatechsummit.com to keep up to date on the latest events, news and webinars.